Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. If you're like me, how many are over this heat? Yeah. Amen. I'm, I'm telling you, man, I, I could do cold. It's easier to warm up. But this heat, man, I tell you, man, it's just horrible. And then today it rained. What's going on? Amen. Well, I have the honor this evening of ministering. And, and you know, we're, we're this whole month, we've been covering various topics on health. The wellness of the church, um, you know, uh, the health of our individual walk with Christ, dealing with subject matters, dealing with the mind, the body, the soul, and our personal walks with God. And uh, we've covered all these topics, and, and tonight I want to continue on in that. And, and I, I just want to just focus on, on an area in our life, amen. If you're, if you're like me, I, I avoid... Doctors as, as much as I can. One of the areas is that if you've ever been into an ER, if you've ever been in a hospital, when I got out of nursing school in 97, I uh, did a one-year rotation at uh, the Whittier, uh, Whittier, the LA VA hospital in West, uh, Westwood. And in there, you... You, you see those that are, you know, there. You see those that, uh, you know, uh, they don't want to be there. And then if you've ever been in an ER, you, you know that there's people who are there who have pressing issues that they, they want addressed. But sometimes they get impatient and they jet out. They don't stay. When you get into a doctor, my doctor was, was very well known for the first thing that when he saw you in his exam room, he says, what can I do for you today? What can I do to help you get well? And they would run down what was taking place in their body, what they had, what their symptoms were. But if you adhere to what the doctor is telling you and you follow the advice that is given to you, then you are on the path to getting well. And in this portion of scripture that I want to minister tonight in the, the book of John chapter 5, it's the, the goal of this church, of us ministers, to help the individuals reach their full potential in Christ. And part of that is through the word, through God doing what he's uh, he set out to do, and you know, the, the, the sadness that people hold in, and the hurt, and the anger, the bitterness, the despair, the disappointment, all these things that they hold in. Jesus asks the simple question, and he says, do you want to be made well? In book of John chapter 5, he has this encounter with an individual. This one man. The Bible says that he was an invalid. He was, he was uh, in this condition for 38 years. Now, if you're like me, 
How many here felt before you came to Christ that, you know what, I'm not that bad. I'm okay. I think I could work it out. If I do this, this, and this, I'll, I'll get it. And, and, you know, I don't need to, to, to commit to that. I don't need to, you know, uh, uh, commit to, to nine months of this and, and do all these things and, and that, that is set out before me. But how many know that the house of God is a hospital? Amen. In Luke 5.31, it says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And even though we didn't feel it, even though we thought we were okay, that, you know what, my marriage is okay, it's not great, but it's okay, uh, you know, uh, I, you know I, I'm not that bad, we still didn't realize until we were fully examined how much of a need we had. In John chapter 5, you're there with me to say amen. amen. Chapter 5, verse 1, and it says this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda. Another term they refer to it as in Hebrew is the house of mercy. Having five porches, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, and he stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Verse 5. Now a certain man who was there had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Pray with me this evening. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this evening. I thank you for those who have gathered here. Lord, for those who are watching us on our live stream, Father, I'm praying, Lord, that today, Lord God, you would challenge our hearts, Lord. Minister unto us, Lord God, that our hearts would be receptive to what you are saying to us today. And Lord, throughout this month, all the messages delivered, Father God, that we would retain it, Lord, and draw from it. Lord God, I give you the glory, the honor, and all praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, when I first read this message, when I first uh, read this portion, where Jesus asked an obvious question, he says, do you want to get well? And, and I thought at first that interesting, it was for the fact that the guy's there, isn't he? You know, Jesus knows this. Jesus knew everything, and of all the people that were there that day, he approaches this man. He approaches this man, and he asks him that question. See, tonight I want to cover several things that we must do to get well. A little background. Remember, this was Passover week. And in the Gospels, there are seven miracles that are recorded. 
This is one of the many miracles were performed by Jesus. And John's gospel gives us the account of the encounter between this man who is only described as a person with infirmity. Now, the definition of infirmity, when you look it up, it just speaks about a weakness. You remember Paul in Galatians chapter 4, 13, he says, You know through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. Some say that his infirmity, his weakness was his eyesight. That when he, he recovered his sight uh, after that encounter with Jesus, that it never fully developed. And that was one of his reasons why the book of Galatians, he re, it's referred to as the large letter gospel. So here in this text, John notes that this man was stricken with what was only described as an infirmity. Jesus sees this man and he asks him the question, do you want to be made well? Not there is anything that I can do to assist you. It was one of the areas where it was just a simple yes or no question. And like oftentimes when we are confronted with when God deals with us on issues, what was his comeback? There is nobody to help me. My first point is just this. Excuses, excuses. Verse 7, he says, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. See, one of the areas that we must deal with in our life is that we must be able to confront truth. That when we are, we are placed in a, in a position where God just exposes something in our life that we're able to say, you know what, God, that is true. That is something that I need to address with you. See, almost every man or woman who was used in the Bible do the incredible things that God had called them to do started out with the fear of, or hesitation or doubt. From Jonah to Gideon. See, there are plenty instances of people's hearts who had been changed as they gave God's plan a chance. The most reluctant of these that I chose tonight is Moses. Moses, you know was raised under Pharaoh's uh, 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 leadership, that he uh, attended, the Bible says, some of the best schools, some of the best teachers who had taught him. And when you read the book of Exodus, you come across an area, this portion of scripture where Moses, the, the thing when God tells him what it's going to do, you remember he, he left Midian and he uh, was away for 40 years. He was, he was tending the sheep of his father-in-law. He was doing all these things in a comfortable setting and God calls him. See, it wasn't long before God disrupted his life by calling him to leave his life of comfort to save his people from the hands of Pharaoh. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, this is where Moses comes to God with his back-to-back -back excuses. His back-to-back -back excuses. And if you could just search your heart tonight and think of the, often the times in your life where you said, you know what, God, I would do this if it wasn't for this. God, I would, you know what, I would definitely do, you know, what you want me to do. I will serve your people, God. I will minister your word. I will teach. I will work with the children. I'll do all these things, God, but I have all these things to do. I don't have time. When a person says that they don't have time, what they're really saying is it's, it's not a priority. Next, it is chapter 3, 
Moses says unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God's response is, is I will be with you. The second excuse he had was, you know what, God, they're going to push back. They're, they're, they're not going to receive me. Verse 13, he says, let's say I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your fathers has sent me to rescue you. And they reply, what is his name? What should I tell them? God's response to him was, it's not about you. I am who I am. Verses 14. This is what you should tell the people of Israel. I am has sent me to rescue you. This is what you are to tell Israel's people. The eternal, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob is the one who has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is the name by which all future generations shall remember me. And the third thing that he comes back with God is that I'm not talented enough. How many have ever felt that, you know what, God, I would love to do it, but I don't speak so well. God, I don't have the the education, or God, I don't have the full understanding. I can't, you know, comprehend things. I read it, but you know what, sometimes it's just like, it's just, uh, you know, in my head, and I, I can't get it out. I can't vocalize it. And I love what God tells him. God, Moses tells him, please, Lord, I am not a talented speaker. I have never been good with words. I wasn't when I was younger, and I haven't gotten any better since you revealed yourself to me. I stutter and I stammer, but my words all get twisted. And God's response to him was, is, I'll make up your whatever you lack. God, who is that gives that person a mouth, who determines whether one person speaks and the other doesn't? Why is it that one person hears and another doesn't? And why can one person see and another doesn't? Isn't it because of me? See, when we come with God with our inadequacies, where we say, God, we fall short of these things, God says, look, don't worry about it. I'll make it up. I chose you. I called you. I will make the way where there is no way. I will open the door that no man can open. And I will shut the door that no man can close. When we put our trust in God and we stop making the excuses of why we can't do what God has called us to do, that is when God starts to move. See, Jesus gives them the simple question is, do you want to be made well? And his first reply back is, is, look, nobody's here to help me. You know what? My leaders don't want to help me. They just want to brush me off. I go to the altar and the pastors pray for everybody and skip me and go to the next guy. All these reasons on why we don't do what God has called us to do is because they're all excuses. One person said, if it's not important to you, you will find, if if it is important to you, you will find a way. If it's not, you'll find an excuse. We're good at excuses. Excuses go way back to Genesis. God, it was the woman that you gave me. She knows I don't like apples. But yet, here, taste this. It's good. Excuses, excuses. You know what, God, I went there with the good intentions of witnessing, man, but the homies, you got to have one with the homeboy. Pop one. Come on. What's one beer? One beer turns into four. 
And before you know it, you feel so condemned that you don't even want to come back. Excuses. See, if we are ever going to see the glory of God over our lives and see victory, we must stop making excuses. The reason I'm not where I should be is nobody is there to help me. I do my best to press forward, but I'm surrounded by devils, God. Devils. Everybody's devils. If I just got out of this job and worked with Christians, I would be okay. Listen, I've worked with Christians. And tell you, look, I'd rather work with devils. See, one thing we must realize is that 2023 is quickly approaching. 2023 is going to be right, man, it's, it's not, we're months away. And these nine months, man, we're in the process now where God is starting to, to, to develop us, to, that, you know, we're going through various trials. Some of you are going through trials that you've never gone through before. And through this, what I've realized is that I still have character flaws that God is still dealing with. God says, look, you know what? You ain't there. You ain't there. I still need to work on this on you. I still need to do it. And, and, and I catch it it's just as I'm going through it. As you're going through the trials, as you're going through that process where God is starting to chip things away from you, chip away at that pride, chip away at that anger, chip away at that nonsense that goes through our heads and the thinking that process. Because when you think it, you want to do it. See, it's okay for the devil to hit you with, with thoughts. Just don't let him camp there. He'll fly through you, he'll hit you with things, and just you've got to constantly be mindful and say, you know what, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to let those thoughts settle in my head. God has called me to do great things. The second thing that he did that is required for us to receive and get well is that he obeyed Jesus. John 5, 8 says, Jesus said unto him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. See, he didn't know who Jesus was. You remember when the religious sect came and approached him for carrying his mat on the Sabbath? He said, the man told me to pick it up. If those religious people knew who Jesus was, if they knew their word, Isaiah 35, 5 and 6 tells that, that there was going to be one who was going to call the lame, the sick, and the paralyzed, and the blind. If they knew who Jesus was, they wouldn't have confronted that man for being healed on the Sabbath. He obeyed Jesus. See, when God speaks to us and God ministers to us, that is our opportunity to obey. Sometimes God will tell you to do some things that are uncomfortable for you. Like, go tell that person that I love them. God, they look like they're okay. But I'm telling you to go tell them that. But you know what, God, you know, look at it. I'm, I'm not dressed for it. You know, they look like, man, oh, God, they're getting in a Mercedes, and they're going to see my, they're going to see my whoop-de-woo over here that barely starts. And I'm going to tell them how good God is. You never know what a person's going to do. You never know what's going on in their heart. You never know if that's the day. I'll never forget the time I got a call at the office. A patient had my back line. Called me up. Said, Tony, I have a 2 o'clock appointment. We were on lunch break, but he had my back line. 
He says, I'm not going to make my appointment. I says, okay. I said, you want to reschedule? I could do that right now. He says, no, I'm okay. I'll take care of it. Okay. Didn't think nothing about it. His appointment was at 2. Scratched him off. About 4.30, and get a call from the Fountain Valley Police. He stepped in front of a train. And he had his appointment card in his card. And when they checked his cell phone, I was the last person he called. That whole day disrupted me. I didn't hear it in his voice. I didn't. And I, and I think to myself, had he gave me the slightest inclination that he was going through something or that he would do something to hurt himself, what would I have done? And we never know when we see somebody, if that's the last time you'll see that person. I'm always, when somebody calls me, there's always that doubt, like, oh, I'll call them back. There's some people that I wish I could still take their call. That I said, you know what, I'll call them back, and I never did. So when you have that opportunity, obey Jesus. When Jesus says, look, I want you to give that to me. That hurt inside of you, I want you to give it to me. You've owned it too long. Give it to me. And you say, you know what, yes, Lord, I'm going to listen, I'm going to obey. And the peace of God, the peace of God that will come over you when you make that decision is unexplainable. Unexplainable. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. He did and he obeyed in Jesus and he was healed. He walked and he never walked before. 38 years he was an invalid. 38 years he suffered with this. See, some of us here, we carry things from the past. Who here is familiar with the term a calloid? Calloid is a scar. You might not be familiar with the term, but you know it when you've seen it. A calloid is a scar that is protruding. Those are scars that are deep and didn't heal. And they're visible. They're very visible. Some of us here, we come to the house of God and we have calloids that we could see it. The hurt on the look on the face and the burdens that you carry and the hurt from the past. And then when we forgive and when we say, you know what, God, I, I can't hold on to that any longer. God releases you. See, what was done, that person might not even remember. And what was done... God says, look, I want to heal you. That calloid is, is, is protruding and it's, it's visible. Everyone could see it. He says, I want to take care of that. See, the Lord will challenge you to do something that you're not familiar with. Always. There's some of you here that, you know what? God has, has, has put it in your heart to do something. And you're hesitant. It might be as simple as praying over somebody. And you're sitting there in the seat and God says, you know what? I want you to go pray over that, that person right there. And you're like, ah, no, you know, Danny's right there. and Pastor Sandoval is right there. And Jesse, all those men who know how to pray are so close to this person. But God says, I want you to do it. 
but I don't know what to say. I don't know, you know what, uh, you know. Just lay your hand on them. I'll do the rest. I'll give you the words. You just touch them and pray for them. We obey. The third thing that this man had to do, in John chapter 5, verse 14, turn there. You with me so far tonight? John chapter 5, verse 14. And it says, afterwards, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. After, what does he do? He goes to the temple to go thank God. This is Jesus' second encounter with him. He says, look, you've been made well. So you're here tonight. You've been coming. And God has been transforming you. God has been moving in your life and developing you. And, and, and you know what? God just, you know, taking things out and putting better things in. And God is keeping you. And you're in the house of God. God's telling you, look, you've been made well. But don't go back to the things that I took you from. Don't go back to the sin. Don't go back to the nonsense. See, the devil will always tell you, look, you're not appreciated. You know what? You know what? You, you could do better at this church, or you could, you could you would be used greatly over here, or you know what? You don't belong there. You don't fit in. Always trying to pull you from where God has you. That is his strategy, and he's so well at it. Discouragement is such a great tool in the kingdom of hell because it works so effectively when people allow it and they don't recognize it. Listen, God has so much in store for his people, and I believe that 2023 is going to be a breakoff where God is going to do even greater things. I know we say this every year. Every year it gets better and better, but I think when we get to the point in our walk with God where we say, you know what, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what you tell me. I'm going to go where you want me to go. I'm going to listen to your voice and follow the path that you have set out before me. I'm going to come under submission, under the leadership that you have placed me under. That's when God starts to do the work in your life. God starts to develop you. Commentaries say that he was at the temple giving thanks at God, giving thanks to God. See, the summary that I want to break it off tonight is that that sadness that you hold inside of you, that hurt, that anger, that bitterness, that despair, that disappointment, the anxiety, do you want to be made well? Three things that we must do, and one that we must stop making excuses. You are who you are. I'm thank, I thank God for how I grew up. I love it. Wouldn't trade it. Loved, loved every bit of it. Poor as we were, I loved it. We were close. We looked out for each other. And, and I had a loving mom. Had the, the, the blessing of leading my mom to Lord before she went home. And, and I thank God. My mother was there for my very first message that I preached. And I looked down and I seen her in tears. 
And, and it, it just, I filled my heart with joy knowing that my mom was there. And the second thing was, is when she was ready to go home, I brought her to Jesus and I prayed with her and she thanked me. And then shortly afterwards, she went home. And I know, I know one day, I know one sweet day, I'm going to see her in the glory of heaven. I know that. That's the promise that God has made all of us. See, we're so good at quoting scriptures that we can do all things through Christ. Paul, when he gave that scripture, he made a list of all the things that didn't go so well. And in spite of that, in spite of where you grew up, in spite of how you were raised, in spite of all these things that took place in your life before you came to Jesus, that's all behind you. That's all behind you. See, it ran in your family till it ran into you. And you were the one, when you came to Christ, you broke that. You broke that. Thank God that your grandchildren will not see you how you were. Thank God that your grandchildren see you and they say, you know what, my grandma, my grandpa, they pray to Jesus. My grandma, my grandpa, my grandmother, they love the Lord. They teach us the Bible. Let them see that. Let them see that and they see you developing in God. They see that and that's imparted into them. I love to see a family. I went to a, a, a funeral and the grandfather, he had 39 grandchildren. And every single one of them was serving God in some capacity in, in the church. The whole worship team were all his grandchildren. And he says, you know what? When I was a kid, I, goes, I, I got out of the army. I was bar hopping. I was doing all these things. And I thank God that my grandchildren, none of them had to see all that. All they saw was that he served God. That was the testimony that they knew. Let that be our legacy where we say, you know what, God, they did not get to see the old me. They get to see who I am, a new creation in Christ, a new creation. Stand with me tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Excuses. You know, one of the excuses that I often hear from people when I ask them the simple question is, would you like to ask the Lord into your heart? Well, I would like to, but you know what, I'm not, I'm not good enough. Or I would like to, but you know what, uh, you know what, I'm young. Still got my whole life ahead of me. I would like to, but, but, but. All excuses. I met this one person who was having a discussion with another one. As I was walking by, I stopped when I heard this. They said, I'm in my 40s. I plan to give my life to Jesus when I turn about 50, 52 maybe. I'm listening. And then this person didn't know how to. It was just an idle conversation. And then I stopped and they says, well, what do you think? And I says, well, you're banking on the fact that you're going to live to 52 to 54. Tomorrow's not promised to you. When I was a kid, there was a, a track that we used to hand out. You might remember it, Phil. You might tie your shoes in the morning. 
but the undertaker might untie them at night. Tomorrow's not promised to you. And this person's eyes got huge. They didn't think about that. See, you might think that, you know what, I have a plan. We all have a plan. But how many know that Jesus has a greater plan? That whatever we have, God has something even better. And you're here tonight and say, you know what, Anthony, I, I, I don't know the Lord. Or maybe I walked away from the Lord. Not I, 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 you know what, I, I just slowly and gradually just drifted away.